News. WTBN Pinellas Park. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. God has certainly fulfilled Noah's prophecy. Salvation is open to all, and there is no room for ethnic pride. We were all lost sinners. No room for ethnic pride. Regardless of your background, you can come to Christ. Regardless of how sinful you've been, you can come to Christ. That's the marvelous grace of God. The Apostle Paul told the people of Rome over 2,000 years ago that God was not a respecter of persons. God doesn't see color, nationality, or race. He sees the hearts of all men in the same light, a light that reveals the need for a Savior. The Apostle Paul reminds us that the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Hello, and welcome to Verse by Verse. My name is Jerry Pruden, and it is my pleasure to join each of you and Pastor Kreloff for our study in Genesis 10 today. Pastor Steve has been the teaching pastor at Lakeside since 1981. Verse by Verse Ministries is a tool for making his practical messages available to a wider audience. He concluded yesterday's message with a quote from the former Jewish Prime Minister of England, Benjamin Disraeli, to a member of the Parliament. I remind you that my forefathers were worshipping the one true and living God while yours were naked savages eating acorns in the woods of Britain. Here now is Pastor Steve to continue with that message. So the question that we need to ask and the question we need to answer is, how was this prophecy fulfilled? Well, I've got to be honest with you, for thousands of years, nobody had a clue how this prophecy would be fulfilled. Nobody knew how it would be fulfilled, and it wasn't fulfilled in, until Shem's greatest son, Jesus, came. And Jesus opened salvation to the Gentile People. I'd like you to look in John chapters, keep your place, if you will, in Genesis, but in John chapter 10, John chapter 10, marvelous uh, statement that Jesus gave that uh, you ought to thank God for this, you ought to praise him for this. John chapter 10, verse 16, Jesus said, and I have other sheep which are not of this fold, I must bring them also, and they shall hear my voice, and they shall become one flock with one shepherd. Do you realize what he was saying? The Mormons take this to mean that uh, Jesus came to America. That has absolutely nothing to do with this. What Jesus is saying is, look, I am the shepherd of the house of Israel, but I am opening salvation to others. I have others to bring, and those are the Gentiles. He's talking here prophetically about the church being made up of Jew and Gentile. And that is exactly what happened. After the church was born on the day of Pentecost, uh, the, the early church was made up of Jewish people, but then it opened up in chapter 10. They finally understood. It opened up in chapter 10 with Cornelius and his household, and from then on, Gentiles have been welcomed into the church. That's what he's talking about. And, and that's what Genesis chapter uh, 9 is referring to. This is very important. In fact, in Romans chapter 11, in Romans chapter 11, the Apostle Paul will address the uh, Gentiles in the church at Rome and will warn them about Gentile pride. You don't know anything about that, do you? But he will warn them 
about Gentile pride because the Gentiles at that church were, were very, very smug, thinking, you know what? Israel's temporarily put aside. We're in. How terrible of Israel. Look at their unbelief. Horrible, horrible, horrible. We must be better than them. And the Apostle Paul says, warns them about Gentile pride. He says, you only stand by God's grace and you stand by faith, not because you're any better than them. You stand by faith. And, and in the language of Genesis 9, you are standing in Shem's tent. Remember that. You stand in Shem's tent. You have been grafted in to the blessings promised to Abraham and his seed. There is no room for Gentile pride. There is no room for Jewish pride either. But there is no room for, for pride. You know, um, when a, a, a Jewish person comes to faith in Christ, usually uh, Christians make a big deal about that. And, and it's always puzzled me. It's always, actually, I've always been amused by that because um, for a Jewish person to come to Christ, they're just returning to their roots. It really, I mean, it's wonderful when anybody comes to Christ, but it's kind of a, a, a normal thing. It, it, it really shouldn't shock anybody that they've come back to the blessings promised to Shem. What is most amazing and incredible to me is that Gentiles could be saved. Now, you think I'm kidding. I'm not kidding. That's the amazing thing. Not that Jewish people would be saved, but that Gentiles from, from Japheth's line who were savages. Remember, you're eating acorns, you people in Britain, that you would, by God's grace, be brought into the body of Christ. That is the amazing thing. And really, it is astounding that anybody would be saved when we understand our wickedness. And a wonderful illustration of how the gospel has reached out to the three branches of mankind is found actually in Acts chapters 8 through 10. For example, in Acts chapter 8, you have the Ethiopian eunuch who is saved. He's a son of Ham. Son of Ham. Not Sam. I said Ham. I just want you to know that. In Acts chapter 9, you have Saul. Rabbi Saul is converted. And he is a son, a son of Shem. And then in chapter 10, you have Cornelius who comes to faith in Christ. And he is a son of Japheth. Isn't that great? That, that's, that's, that's what the gospel is about. Reaching out to all of humanity. In fact, there is a um, more modern example, a little bit closer to, to home. We have uh, on our staff, we have Jack, who is a uh, son of Japheth. And we have Spencer, who is a son of Ham. And we have myself, who is a son of Shem. And so we have a more modern illustration of that. God has certainly, listen to me, God has certainly fulfilled Noah's prophecy. Salvation is open to all, and there is no, no room for ethnic pride. We, are all, we were all lost sinners no room for ethnic pride. Regardless of your background, you can come to Christ. Regardless of how sinful you've been, you can come to Christ. That's the marvelous grace of God. And with these words, the prophecy of, of Noah ends, and actually Noah's life comes to an end. Not at this point, but we don't read anything more about Noah for about 300 years until his death. The death of Noah is found in verses 28 and 29. And Noah lived 350 years after the flood. So all the days of Noah were 950 years and he died. This is Noah's obituary. Uh, this really completes, if you were with us from the beginning of this study, actually from chapter 5, this completes the line of, of, uh, of Seth, Adam's son, Seth. This completes it. He's the last of the Sethites. And now we come to a new section in Genesis that records for us Noah and his descendants. And this is where the nations of the world were formed. Now, I don't know if you've ever tried to read chapter 10, 
It's one of those things that uh, chapters that people like to pass over. But uh, how do you handle a chapter like this? If, if you were a Bible teacher, what would you do with a chapter like this? One commentator said this, it may well be questioned whether a man should ever preach on a chapter such as this. Gives you great encouragement as a Bible teacher. Well, you know what? I'm not going to follow that advice. Uh, after I'm finished, you may have wished that I had followed this advice, but I'm going to uh, actually skim over these verses and highlight some of the more significant descendants of, Adam's, uh, of uh, Noah's three sons. We begin in verse 1. Now, these are the records of the generations of Shem, Ham, and Japheth, the sons of Noah, and, uh, and sons were born to them after the flood. This chapter is divided into really a survey of some of Noah's descendants, uh, of his three sons' descendants. It's not all of them. It's about 70 of them. And so uh, it's, it's kind of a survey. First, there's Japheth's family line. And I think this is fascinating. You may not think that, but um, I'm in the pulpit, so I get to, to do this. But uh, chapter 10, verses 2 through 4, the sons of Japheth were Gomer and Magog and uh, Mede, and uh, it, it should be pronounced Yawan, Yawan, and Tubal and Meshach and, uh, and Tyrus. And the sons of Gomer were Ashkenaz and uh, Riphath and Togermah. And I have no idea if I'm pronouncing any of those right except Yawan. Uh, these are Japheth's family line, as I said before, where most of you have descended from. These are the Indo-European people, as I said, related we know by Language Now, Japheth's children include Gomer. Very interesting. Who, who was Gomer? Gomer, historians tell us, and people who study uh, ethnic, uh, uh, ethnic information, would identify Gomer as those who settled north of the Black Sea and into Europe. Actually, they tell us that we get the word Germany from Gomer. It would obviously be some kind of a uh, development of that word. James Boyce writes in his commentary, they settled in France as the Gauls, in Spain as the uh, Galicia, and in Britain as the Celts. Further developments have given us Gomerland, which becomes Cumberland, that would be in England, uh, Umbria, Ireland, and the ancient ancestors of the Welsh, the Kimri. Uh, now notice, we mentioned one of Gomer's sons is Ashkenaz. That's, a, that's very interesting, because um, uh, Ashkenaz, we, would, we, would, we are told, would have settled in what is now today Germany. And it's very interesting, because the term Ashkenazi Jew refers to either a German Jew or a uh, uh, European Jewish person, as opposed to the other type of Jewish person would be Sephardic. A Sephardic Jew would be one who, um, his background is the Mediterranean uh, Spain, perhaps northern, um, uh, northern Africa, um, what would be today known as Arab countries. But an Ashkenazi Jew would be a Jew who is from Europe. So some of Japheth's uh, other sons settled in what today is known as Russia. We learn that he had sons named Magog, Tubal, and Meshach. And, and those are always in the Bible. Ezekiel speaks of them. Other prophecies speak of them as Russia. In fact, Meshach uh, probably comes from, uh, we probably get the word Moscow from that word. And, uh, and uh, Tobolsk, which is a famous city in Russia, uh, we get that from Tubal. These are the extreme northern people. 
but they're Japhethites. And the last son of Japheth that we want to look at is Yawan. It looks like Javan, but it should be pronounced Yawan. Yawan. He is the father of the Greek people. The Greek people go back to Yawan. In fact, a popular term for uh, Greek people and their culture today is uh, Hellas, from which we get the term Hellenist. A Hellenist. And this comes from one of uh, Yawan's sons, Helisha, from which we get the Hellenists. It's, it's very, very close. Another son of Yawan was Tarshish. Tarshish, very interesting. Uh, have you ever heard the, the city or the place called Tarshish? It's where Jonah was headed off to in the opposite direction of where God told him to go. He was to go east, he went west. Tarshish, probably that is in Spain, which in that day and age was the edge of the earth. The edge of the earth. Now, what can we say about Japheth and his children? Well, we can say that God certainly has fulfilled his word. Certainly has fulfilled his word. He has enlarged their territory, um, all of Europe and parts of Asia. But you know what? I think about that, and I think with all of that real estate that, that he has, it means nothing without Christ, Right? All of the real estate, what difference does it make? And I, I'm reminded of that Bible verse that says that what if a man gains the whole world but loses his own soul? Japheth's sons have basically gained most of the planet, but it means nothing without Christ. The second branch of mankind that settled the earth was Ham's sons, verse 6. And the sons of Ham were Cush, Mizram, and Put, and Canaan. Now, we looked at this last week, so I don't need to go into detail except to say that Ham's family divided. They divided. So um, some went into Africa, but others went into, uh, they went east into what we would call today as Arabia. As I said before, the uh, Arabs today would be a combination of Semitic people, Semitic tribes, as well as, as, uh, as Hamites. Now it's interesting that although Genesis does not mention this specifically, where do the Orientals fit in? Have you ever wondered that? Where do the Orientals fit in? I've wondered that, and uh, I think I may have come up with the answer this week. Because they may well fit into the descendants of Ham. Let me read to you. Well, well let me show you this. Let me show you this. Let, let's, before I read to you, let me show you verses 15 through 17. And Canaan became the father of Sidon, his firstborn, and Heth. Keep in mind that name, Heth. And the Jebusite, and the Amorite, and the uh, Girgashite, and the Hivite, and the Archite, and the Sinite. The Sinite. Very, very interesting. The two names I want you to keep in mind are Heth and Sinite. Heth would be the founder of the Hittites. The founder of the Hittites. Keep this in mind. Dr. James Boyce has written in his book, and I've got a lot of information from him on this, Here's what he has written. He says, Thus far, the distribution of peoples over the world's territory is fairly comprehensive. But there is one obvious omission. The Orientals, where do they fit in? It is possible that we cannot know, since the lists of Genesis 10 are not necessarily complete. But there are two possibilities, both of which may be right. First, although the Hittite Empire endured for more than 800 years, it nevertheless fell suddenly. And there are indications that the survivors fled eastward into China. 
This is not unreasonable, for the ancient trade route between Europe and China went through the area to the east of Turkey, the great trading city being Samarkand, now in southern Russia. This was the route that Marco Polo took when he opened a new era of commerce many centuries earlier. It is part of this picture that the ancient cuneiform uh, uh, monuments, the Hittites, are called Kitei, uh, which may uh, have given us the eastern name Cathay, and that is an ancient name for China, Cathay. Again, archaeologists note a number of similarities between the Hittites and the Mongols, shoes, uh, shoes whose toes turn upward, the custom of doing up hair in a pigtail, pioneer work in the smelting and casting of iron, and the domestication of horses. The other possibility concerns the uh, Sinites, who descended from Canaan. These people receive scant mention in Genesis, but the patriarch of the clan Sin may have been very important. His name, because that, uh, his name, because that of an important Near Eastern deity, appearing in such names as Sennacherib, meaning may the god Sin prosper uh, the, the brothers, and Sinai, you know, the Sinai Desert, Sinai. We do not know where these people settled other than the Holy Land, but the name Sin is found widely in the East. It is found in the Chinese names Sang and Sanfu. For instance, uh, Thinei was a trading center in western China. Uh, Tsin became a dynasty, the word itself coming to mean purebred. Manchu emperors used this word as a title. It is believed that Sin was used by the Malays in the form of to China and was then brought back to Europe by the Portuguese as China. Even today, we use the word sin of the East, speaking of sinology, a study of China, or Sino-American relations. I, I just think that's very interesting. It may very well hold the clue and answer to where did the uh, Oriental people come from. Now, the last branch of humanity that is mentioned in Genesis 10 is Shem. And by the way, uh, in weeks to come, we're going to go back and pick up uh, some things, especially there is Nimrod who's mentioned, and we don't want to forget Nimrod because he uh, is very, very integral in the study of the Tower of Babel. But verse 21 tells us about Shem and his descendants. Notice this. And also to Shem, the father of the children of Eber... And the older brother of Japheth, children, were born. The only name at this point that is important to Moses of all of Shem's descendants, so he mentions a few others later, is Eber. You say, who's Eber? Who cares about Eber? Eber, what's he talking about? That is the most important branch to Moses. You know why? Because from his line, as we'll discover in chapter 11, will come Abraham, the Eber, or Hebrew. This is where the word Hebrew comes from. Eber, Hebrew. The term Hebrew most likely means to cross over, to travel, or beyond in the sense of those who lived beyond the Euphrates, and they crossed over into the lands of Canaan, as Abraham did. Abraham, the Eber, Abraham, the Hebrew, one who crossed over. So now, now you know. Now you know the rest of the story. In the midst of all of these names, all of these places, we don't want to miss the point of the chapter. And the point is this. The purpose of God is to bless all of humanity, as rebellious as they are. All of humanity, through one man, Abraham, because from Abraham's loins will come the Messiah of Israel, Jesus Christ. 
These are our roots. Whether you are a son of Japheth, a son of Ham, a son of Shem, and I should say, or a daughter as well. It really doesn't matter, but these are our roots. What is most important, though, is not where you came from, but where you're going. What is most important is if you're a child of God. Remember we said weeks ago there's only one race. It's called the human race. It does not matter who your parents were. It does not matter who your ancestors were. What does matter is are you a child of God, and you only become a child of God by faith in Jesus Christ's finished work for you on the cross. I hope that's your experience. I hope you have repented and trusted Christ. And I also, as, as we just kind of wrap this up, and let's, let's just kind of bow our heads here and close our eyes. What, what do you do with a chapter like this? How do you respond to this so that it's not simply a history lesson? I think this is, this is the point. You need to sincerely thank God for his mercy and grace to you. You know, I mentioned today just the background of the Japhites. You're not a sophisticated people in terms of background, a rebellious people. But I want you to know the Jewish people have been a rebellious people too. That's my background. Rebellious. Even after God formed a covenant with them, most of the time in in Old Testament times, they were rebellious. That is the picture of humanity. Whether you're a son of or daughter of uh, Shem, Japheth, or Ham. And I think this would be most appropriate for us to just thank God right now. I'll, I'll give a few moments for this. For his mercy and grace to you as a rebel. Because God didn't need to bless Shem. God could have left us like that and we would have all died and gone to hell. But thank God, God made the first move. And by his mercy and grace, we stand. Let's have a few moments of silent prayer and then I'll close. If you have never trusted Jesus, I invite you to do that. Not trusting him for um, finances, not trusting him for illness, not trusting him for daily events, but for eternity. If you've never come to him for the forgiveness of your sins, I invite you to do that, to come up after the service. There'll be one of our leaders right here by the platform, by the communion table, and um, he'll be happy to speak to you. Father, I thank you for this, your word, Lord, and I realize that it is a portion of scripture that many would find easy to just pass over and not really pay attention to, but How critical it is to know that these are our roots, Lord. We are rooted in a disobedient people, a race that rebelled against you, especially, Lord, in light of what we'll see, the Tower of Babel, and how mankind unitedly rebelled against you. And yet, Father, you have chosen to bless Shem and to bring Japheth as well as Ham into those tents Lord, I thank you for your mercy and grace for all of us. For none of us can stand on our ethnic backgrounds. None of us can say we're better than anybody else. We were once lost, but now we're found. And all because you chose to call one man, Abram, and from his loins, the God-man came, Jesus of Nazareth. We thank you for salvation. We thank you for the cross. We thank you that we were in need of a, of a Savior, and you provided that one. And I pray that you'll draw those to yourself who need you. And I pray, Lord, that uh, 
our thinking might be altered by what we have studied, that there might be humility in our lives, that no one thinking they're any better than anyone else, and that we're all at the same level at the foot of the cross. For I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Pastor Steve, you have given us a great deal to think and pray about. You've been listening to Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. If you would like to hear the entire message at one time, you can order a CD or cassette by calling us at 727-441-1714. Leave your name and a number and we'll return your call during weekday office hours. Our number again is 727-441-1714. I hope you'll join us for the next Verse by Verse. Pastor Steve will be discussing the Tower of Babel, found in Genesis 11. You've been listening to Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. This program was pre-recorded. To learn more, including how to donate to this ministry, visit versebyverseradio.org. That's Verse celebrating 20 years of teaching.